0: But we're in a series called Resilience, and this is the second week of this three-week series, and it's about the power to bounce back when you're in the crucible of crisis. Have you ever been victimized? (laughs) Anyone in this room have been mistreated? You've been lied about? You've been rejected? Some of you have been hated? Today's message is for you. Have you ever been thrown into a hole in the desert and left there for dead? Have you ever been trafficked? <laughs> Have you ever been falsely accused of sexual assault? Have you ever served time for a crime you didn't commit? Well, we're going to th- look at a Bible character today that experienced every bit of that, yet he experienced resilience. And, uh, and I'm going to talk about this young man who is really an amazing example to every single one of us. He demonstrated resilience And to be honest with you, in my opinion, I know it's more than an opinion. It's it's in the Word. It was nothing short of supernatural. And I'm going to talk about how to engage that same supernatural power in your life today so you can be resilient. So today's message title is called Obtaining New Strength. Say that with me. Obtaining New Strength. Now last week we learned about Jacob who became Israel. God renamed him. And he had a favorite son. His favorite son was Joseph. And Joseph was horribly victimized. Joseph, uh, he was a person who never gave in to the I can't or the I give up mentality. Uh, he bloomed where he was planted. In fact, God placed Joseph in a place where he had access to resources that, uh, of, of a very unrighteous, unholy nation. And, he, and God gave him those resources to manage. He was able to rescue his family, and he also rescued the entire unrighteous nation. It's, a, it's an incredible, incredible story, the story of Joseph. He was resilient, and he continually obtained new strength. So I'd like, for you to, uh, I'd like for you just to know a little bit about the background of his story. In fact, I strongly encourage you to read it all because I can't get into all the details of it. Really, talking about Joseph is more like a series of messages. Uh, I'd probably have to do six or seven to go through the whole story of Joseph. Maybe sometime I'll do that. But I, I, I love him. He is one of my favorite Bible characters. And his story is found in Genesis chapter 37 all the way through Genesis 50. So his story, the end of his story, his death, is when uh, when, the, when the book of Genesis ends, when it closes. So a little bit about him. His birth mother was Rachel. Now this was Jacob's second wife last week. We talked about that. It's not good to have more than one wife and and that these guys are doing that. They shouldn't have been. The scriptures say not to, but we're not going to get into that again today. But, uh, but his birth mother was Rachel, and this is the one Jacob really loved. The, the first wife that he had he was, uh, he was, he was deceived into marrying her, and he didn 't give up the marriage. he stayed in the marriage, but then he received the, the wife he really wanted, Rachel later on. Well, he had had several children, several, several children all already through his first wife, Rachel, his second wife, after he marries her, then he has two children. Well, she died during childbirth with a second child, so he has these two children. Those children were extra special to him because they were from the woman he loved. That was basically it. So so uh, Joseph was the first of those two sons, and Jacob really, really, really loved him. In fact, when he was a young teen, the Scriptures tell us that, that, uh, that Jacob gave him this really colorful robe. It would have been kind of like a kingly robe. It would have been a robe that, that really stated... I, I'm someone special. So he would wear this. His other brothers, he, he had several older brothers, he had 10 older brothers, and his older brothers didn't get anything like that. I mean, they had just the regular old boring robes or whatever they were, wore back there. But they did. But he, Joseph had the cool, colorful robe, which meant he was special. And he wore it, and he loved it. Uh, his older brothers they kind of envied him now they they really envied him and they didn't really like it because little brother he gets all the special attention and uh and during this time after he receives this robe he has these series of dreams so he, he has these supernatural dreams from god and some of those dreams are captured there for us in the scriptures and they basically reflect that that there's a time off in the future when his whole family is going to come and bow before him and uh, and 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 it's it 's this really intriguing dream and and so what Joseph actually does is he starts telling everybody. He tells his dad. He tells his brothers. He's telling everybody, hey, here's my cool dream. Well, they despise him even more because they're going, what do you, what do you think you are wearing your fancy robe? are like, we're going to come bow down in front of you. Do you think you're the king or something? You think, you, you think you're better than me? Well, that was their attitude, and it festered, and it grew worse and worse. And of course, these 10 older brothers from that other wife that Jacob really didn't care for I don't know why he had so many kids with the kids. I don't even want to get into that, but, but uh, he had these, other, these, these older brothers. They really, they really could not stand him. So his dad sent him out one day to check on his brothers who were out in the desert, and they were out in the fields, and goes out there to check on him and they say, look, look, here he comes. Here's the here's the rogue boy. Here's the cool boy. Here's the dreamer. And they start making fun of him. And he gets there as as he's coming in, they're saying, let's just let's throw him in a pit. <laughs> let's go there actually this, first of all, it's like, let's kill him. Then let's throw him in a pit. And and so they, they throw him in this pit. They grab him and throw him in. And can you imagine Joseph? He's about seventeen. Actually he is seventeen at this point. And he's thrown into this pit and uh, and they it's just a just a cistern and he can't get out. And he's left there basically to die. They take his robe and they tear it up and they they they, get, they kill an animal and they put blood all over it to make it look like Joseph was was uh, tore up by some wild beast that was out there. And and uh, they, they left, they were going to leave him there to die, but then some people came along some who were on their way to Egypt, some traders, and they said, hey, we can get him, we can traffic him. So let's go ahead and get some money and put him out there and, and we can, we can, he can, and He can be a slave, and we can get them get some money off of him. So they did that. That's pretty bad, right? <laughs> so, so they did that. Joseph is now uh, he's he's all bound up. He's out of the he's out of that cistern. He's on his way to Egypt to be trafficked. So they they put him up on the auction block out there in Egypt. And a guy by the name of Potiphar he uh, he bought him. He bought him. So he becomes his slave. Well joseph he's a man of god he he rose up in the ranks of the slaves there he he had a good attitude he worked hard and he he earned potiphar's honor potiphar was a very significant government official and and he was a he was a very very influential businessman we do know that much and potiphar he uh uh he he just said hey i'm gonna put you in charge of my whole household i trust you that much Well, this was all going on, but Potiphar's wife then got the hots for Joseph. Yes, you're in church today. Those of you who, you know, who, like, this is too saucy for me, we do have the children's service in the back. Feel free to step over there. So... That is fair warning. And listen, anytime you're in here, I'm just going to preach the word, okay? So she gets the hots for him, and she wants to have sex with him. I said it. He, she wanted to have sex with him. And he's like, no, that's not the right thing. No, 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 I'm not going to do this. And she insists on it. And so she grabs him, and, and he takes off running, and, and she holds on to his, to his robe, and he runs off literally, apparently naked it's all in the Bible, my friends. Some of you who didn't know if you were going to read this, now you're going to go home and read it. He's he's running out naked. She's holding onto it, and she is so angry at him. And so she says, "He won't do what I want him to do. Therefore, I'm going to get him." So she then makes a big scene and acts like he came and sexually assaulted her and tried to rape her. And so she makes up this story. She says, I've got the robe. Here's the evidence. And Potiphar comes home. He is not a happy camper because nobody's going to mess around with Potiphar's wife, right? Mm-mm. So uh, he goes to prison. And he's in, he's in this prison. It's not a pleasant place. It would have been just absolutely miserable. Uh, he, he's there just, just stuck. And you can't imagine how he felt. But as he's there, he, he meets some other people. And... And some people who worked for Pharaoh had dreams. And so he interpreted those dreams. And and the dreams actually came true. He made it clear as he was interpreting the dreams. He said, I don't get this interpretation power on my own. It comes from the holy God of the universe. And so, so, but what happens is one of those prisoners went back to work for Pharaoh. Well, a few years later, now, now again, keep in mind, he's in prison for years, plural, because of a false accusation of sexual assault. And... He's he's basically thinking at this point, it's all letter in the scriptures, that they've forgotten about me. I mean, I am, I'm stuck here. Well, this guy goes back to work for Pharaoh, and Pharaoh then has a series of dreams. So Pharaoh has these dreams. Nobody can tell him what the dreams mean. Now, keep in mind, Pharaoh's not a Christian. He's not a believer. He doesn't follow God. He, he, he's, he's, a, he's a polytheistic uh, pagan is what he is. And, and he, and he was, but he was looking for some answers. Well, then this guy who worked for Pharaoh said, oh, yeah, well, when I was in prison, uh, I, I, had a, I, had the, the, I knew this guy who gave me the answers to my dreams. And they said, well, bring him here. So they cleaned Joseph up, got him out of prison, fixed him up so he looked like an Egyptian or whatever. And, and, uh, and he goes in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said, I heard that you know how to answer dreams and explain them. And he said, well, it's through the power of God, but go ahead he goes ahead and explains to him the dreams that he had and then joseph gives the explanation saying what your dreams mean is that there are going to be seven years of, of, of abundance and plenty and then there's going to be seven years of famine there's going to be the worst famine this this nation has ever seen and if we don't start preparing now when that famine comes it's going to be terrible absolutely terrible and we need to and, and he said well what should we do he said and then so joseph just starts saying well we need to do this and this and this and this and then right there the favor of God was on him, and he became the second in command in all of Egypt. In fact, to top it off, he, Pharaoh declared this over him. You are number, one in char- number two in charge in this whole nation. The only one who has more authority than you is me. So immediately he goes from the prison to living in the wonderful palace of an unrighteous nation, unholy people, but he's right there. In that palace. And God put him there. And there's no doubt about that. Well the. Uh, the, the weather got bad. And there was the drought. There was the famine. And it was terrible. It was so terrible that. As they were. Um, as, as, as they were collecting things. And building these barns. And putting everything in them. All of a sudden the famine started hitting these other lands. These other areas. And uh, Joseph's family his brothers his older brothers were sent by their dad to go to egypt because they heard egypt had grain and they could survive they could live so these brothers come and then here we move into another series of events several chapters about the events that happened there i don't know exactly what was going on in joseph's mind but but it was intense because as soon as joseph's brothers come to him joseph recognizes them as his brothers now they wouldn't have recognized joseph because you know you've seen like what egyptians looked like i mean he would have had the whole egyptian thing going for him and, and 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 he would have been dressed up in robes he didn't look like their little brother anymore and again this is probably about oh about 15 17 years later so they don't, they don't know who he is. He's just some Egyptian guy, and he's speaking to the, speaking the Egyptian language, but he hears his brother speaking Hebrew. Of course, he knows Hebrew. That's what he was raised with, and he's listening. He knows exactly what's going on, and it's just an incredible story of the sequence of events that happened there and he sends them back, and they come back, and they, he plays little tricks on them and to see, his, see how loyal they are, and he wants to see his dad, he wants to see his little brother. Now, all of this drama is going on, and then finally we get to this point where Joseph reveals his identity. And I want you to see it now. Take a look at it. In Genesis chapter 45, verse 1, this is the climactic event. And I tell you what, in this passage you're going to see where his resilience and his faithfulness had led him. It was for this moment that God had given him resilience all through those horrible years. Genesis 45:1. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, Have everyone leave by presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brother's. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Duh. (laughs) Can you imagine? so he was speaking to them in their own Hebrew language. So they, they were, at this point, they never heard him speak Hebrew at all. They were floored, to say the very least. <clears throat> so they said nothing. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now... Do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been a famine in the land and for the next five years there will be no plowing and reaping. God sent me ahead of you to preserve For you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, even though they did the evil deed, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt do you think joseph felt this way the whole time i mean, i'm sure there were moments when he was at potiphar's house or when he was in prison or even when he was in the pit where he thought what what am i doing here this has nothing to do with the dreams that i had why has everything good been stripped away from me this is not how i thought i would end up my life is ruined I mean Joseph, he he must have just experienced this emotional roller coaster more intense than you and I could ever imagine. And, and and I'm sure there were moments where he just felt like giving in and giving up. But regardless of his emotions, he continued to live faithfully. And and I'll just tell you this: there is no way. There is no way he could have seen God's big picture in that pit. There's no way he could have seen it when he was with them being trafficked into into, uh, Egypt. There's no way he could have seen God's plan when he was serving as a slave or when he was wrongfully accused or when he was in prison. There's no way he could have seen this. But what did he do? He trusted God and he rested on the promises of God. And you do not know what God is up to right now. You may not like your situation and how he's working, but but we we have to know this. God has a plan for us, and God is working things out, and it may not be to your liking. It may not be what you like or what you want, but God has said, I want you to serve me faithfully. Not seeing and not understanding the picture is critical because that's actually what's called faith. Faith is what brings us resilience, and and faith faith is not about what you're looking at. It's not about what you see. It's not about, faith is not about what's happening to you. Come on, some of you, I'm talking directly to your situation right now. Faith is is the things that you're you're assured for and that you hope for. Faith is the evidence of the things that you can't even see. That's faith, and in the end, faith Faith in God brought the resilience of Joseph to continue to step up, to step out, and then got elevated to him, and bam, it went down again. Got elevated, bam, it went down again. This happened over and over, but he kept bouncing back. And I don't believe he had any power within himself to endure. Yeah, I don't think he had this will or this fortitude or this ability. Well, oh, I read this book on the seven steps to rebounding and success. I got this under my belt. I can know how to handle that. Wrong. He had none of that. He had one thing. He had the stories of his fathers. He had the stories of his reputation. He had the stories of God and how God had intervened in the past with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. He had the stories. He knew the faithfulness of God he depended on God. He didn't have the Bible. He didn't. Hey, this story is in Genesis, the first book of the Bible. He didn't get to read the Bible. Uh, that's good. That's good. Joseph's strength and his stability solely came from God. It fully came from God. I want you to look at uh, this scripture up on the screen. It's Philippians 4. Excuse me, Philippians 4, verse 11 through 13. Jot this down in your notes. This is something that you need to come back to because Paul spoke these words. He says this, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. Sounds kind of like Joseph wrote this. I have learned the secret of being content in in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry. Whether living in plenty or in want. Then he says one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. The way I memorized it as a kid was I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I, that, that is a scripture you should memorize, have underlined in your Bible, put it up as your, as your wallpaper, do something. Put it on your walls, or you know what I mean by wallpaper, like uh, on your phone or your computer. Get that in your heart. Now, notice that, that you, you better not break that little scripture in, in half and say, I can do all things. Because, no, that's actually not how it works. <laughs> you can do all things through christ through him who gives you strength it's his strength that allows you to do all things where do you get that strength from well it's, it's that strength that just helps you to keep going but but we get that strength when we pray we get that strength when we are reading god's word and we're taking it in we have a regular diet of the word of god that's why i'm always saying Stay in the Word daily. Do something to be, even if you read one scripture verse a day, do something to be in the Word of God. Use the Version Bible app and find me on there and, be, and befriend me or whatever it's called, connect with me. I would love it. And, and, and just get in there and do it. Dive into the Word of God. That's why we go to church. See, because my goal for you is that some of you will be rescued by God, not by me, but you'll be rescued by God. Some of you will be healed. Some of you will be set free. Some of you will be encouraged, and you will leave here different than you came. Because my goal, my desire, my passion since early this morning, since 4.15 this morning, has been this. Said, I want every person who walks into that place to leave different than the way they came in. That's my passion. That's my desire. That's why we worship God. Why do we do this part up front? It's the preliminary, so we can all come in and find a seat. No, it's not that's so that we can get our hearts in tune with god we can begin to adore and worship god and it opens up the the windows of heaven over our lives that's why we come to prayer meetings it's because we want to engage the power of god we receive strength from god we don't do all this stuff to be religious we do this stuff to obtain strength from God and to see the hand of God working. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I love that word strength. It says in the, uh, in the original language, here's what that word strength means. It doesn't just mean power or it doesn't just mean you know, the ability to bend metal or something like that. Here's what it means. It is the super... This is interesting because this is the definition of that word. The supernatural ability to face the necessary resistance that brings what God defines as success. Don't move past that. Look at that. Look at that definition again. It's very carefully worded. It's a supernatural ability to face the necessary resistance. God puts necessary resistance in the way... That brings what God defines as success. This is a term that explains how God empowers us with whatever we need. He, he will empower you with whatever, 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 whatever you need to achieve what you have faith for and what God has given you faith for. That why, see, 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 faith and strength, they go hand in hand. I want you to obtain new strength, but you're not gonna get it until you have faith. And the Lord provides faith and strength through his spirit and those there are necessary resistances that are in your life that some of you are facing right now but they are there so you can develop faith so you can develop strength because if if joseph had not had strength if he had not developed that strength if he didn't have faith there's no way he could have been the second in the command in egypt there's no way there's no way don't ever say this i can do all this because i just can I can because I can. No, you can't. No, you can't. See, that's, that's pride. I think a part, an important part of our faith is understanding our weaknesses, understanding our sinful nature, understanding our inability to achieve anything worthwhile and eternal on our own. Sure, you might be able to build a house. You might be able to fix a car. You might be able to repair broken bones. And you might be able to repair uh, broken emotions. And you might, you might be able to deliver the best mail in town and get it in on time. I don't know what you do. But what are you doing of eternal value? Well, you can't do anything of eternal value unless it's empowered by God. So really, when it comes down to it, humility is a key To resilience. See, when we come to a place of humility, we find this inexplicable and indescribable resilient strength that comes from God. It's the strength that is made perfect in weakness. That's what the Bible says. James chapter 4 verse 10 says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. There's good imagery for that. Really good imagery for that is humble yourself before the Lord, which would, the the position of humility is to be on your knees. So the position of humility, to be on your knees, you humble yourself before the Lord, and then God lifts you up. See, because when humble people surrender to God, you you begin to rely on Him for strength. You're relying on Him for provision. You're relying on Him to provide whatever it is you need to accomplish whatever God's goal for you and for your life is. And you don't have the whole picture. You, some of you, you might be stuck at Potiphar's house right now. Some of you might be stuck in the dark prison right now. Some of you might be in the pit right now. But if you can just do this, remember the faithfulness of God. Press into his power and watch as he provides. Just think that caravan that was coming along. When they were out there in the desert and Joseph's brothers had thrown him into the pit. When that caravan came along, that was actually the first blessing. Well, wait, he was sold into, yeah, I know that, I know that. But that caravan was taking him to Egypt because he had a destiny ahead of him. It's kind of interesting on a much, 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 much more smaller scale. I was reading, I've I've been going through so many of my things of my father's uh, since his passing a couple months ago, three months ago now. And I was at my house and looking through it, and I finally realized why, why, my dad moved south. You see, my family had grown up in the Washington, Oregon area, and, and that, was, that was home for us. In fact, I was reading some of the, my, my grandfather's letters to my dad, and he kept saying, I want you to come back. We miss you. We miss you. Why are you so far away? Come back. There's churches up here. You can pastor. And, and, but my dad, I, I read that my dad had moved down to the south into New Mexico so he could be in a drier climate because, because physically he was not able to endure the climate that was up there. And I think, okay, well, so what? But it was a big deal. My dad had to walk away from his family unit, and he was in a very, very different land. I mean, we were in the desert of southeast New Mexico. Have y'all been out there? It's just ugly. It's ugly. It's like West Texas, but uglier. And it's just, it was just bad. But God brought him down here. God brought our family out. Most of my family is still out in West Texas now, but... God brought my family down here, but it was for a purpose. It was for a reason. The truth is, I would not be here today if it wasn't for that. I had the blessing twice this year, twice this week. I, it's just a miracle. I don't understand how God gives me favor like this. But twice this week, I had the opportunity to, to bless in public political settings. Called on by the Tarrant County commissioners to come and invoke the presence of God into their meeting they asked for that and so it's was like thank you Jesus I will do so come Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus <laughs> yes I was called upon we were really blessed we worked this out for a while but the City Hall has a brand new building just a few blocks away yeah I got to meet your old boss too but uh, City Hall has a brand new building a few blocks away and and uh, and Got to go up to the very top floor of that building, this huge conference room, and go up there with some other pastor friends of mine, and we dedicated the property back to God. See, what some people don't, and I I put all this on my Facebook so you can read it, I read the prayers, but what some people don't realize is that on that property stood First Baptist Church years and years ago and that church was powerfully instrumental of closing down the brothels and stopping the the the, the, uh, the drug trafficking and all of the, the horrible stuff that was going on in what used to be called Hell's Half Acre. You go over to the water gardens that's where it used to be. They dug a big deep pit and put water in there so that never again will anything be built on that property. And it's because of that church who stood for righteousness in the heart of the city. That church moved away and then, then another church came and took that building. It was Calvary Cathedral, and they had a prayer tower on that building. And that prayer tower, they would pray. They would. It was 24 hours. They would pray day and night. They would pray over the city. They'd pray, let this city be a bright beacon of light. Let this, let this city be a bright beacon of light. And they prayed that and prayed that, one day a tornado came through 21 years ago. And while they were praying, they saw the tornado come. Well, they got out of the prayer tower real quick. But, but as a result of that, that, that building ended up being destroyed. And what happened? Well... <laughs> That property went over to someone else, and they got it, and they tried putting Pier 1 Imports in there, and yeah, Pier 1 Imports, well, they're gone now. So there's a building left there, and the city says, well, it's actually a reasonable purchase for us. We're able to expand without having to build something else, and they moved in there, and they're in the process of moving in there. But when we dedicated it to the Lord, I was able to go up there on that top floor and recall the blessings from the past joining hands with some other pastors join, and the mayor says we are holding hands during this prayer and we prayed and we called down the presence of God and I'm telling you what we uh, and one of the things that, that I just felt and another pastor another pastor friend of mine felt we, we, we needed to recall that this is going to be a, to- a prayer tower again and we're starting off the city's usage of that building by a prayer meeting at the top so you see how do those things happen well thank God my dad couldn't deal with the, the humidity up in the north. and I get to come down and be a part of that. Am I anything special? No, but I'm a part of the plan. Just like you're a part of the plan. You're a part of the plan. You're a part of the plan. Thank you, Jesus. So you can't see the whole picture. There's no way to see the whole picture of really what's playing out in your life. All you've got to do is you just got to keep moving closer and closer to the Lord. And just remember this, humility is the key. The way up is down. I did a series of messages called that a few years back. The way up is down. You actually get down on your knees, and then God lifts you up. Faith and resilience and strength comes to the people who are on their knees, who are humble before God. So I challenge you, here's my challenge to you, be resilient. Keep trusting God regardless of the circumstances. You sure you might have been lied about. You might have been abandoned. You might have been kicked while you were down. You might have been abused and definitely some of you in this room have been rejected. And you know also some of you right now, and even as I'm talking through this, the pain is real. And and the pain sometimes stays for a long long time after it happened. But do not let the pain of what happened to you control your destiny. Now I want you to look at James chapter one verse twelve. That second scripture I told you, told you to go to. Yeah, no, some of you are saying, but I, but you don't understand my trial. It's a horrible trial. But yeah, you're going to be rewarded in the end if you stay humble and you keep calling on God and walking in faith. It does work. James chapter one verse twelve. Blessed is the one who perseveres perseveres Ugh. i like that word uh-huh. blessed is the one do you want to be blessed yeah. come on blessed is a person who perseveres under trial right. because okay now the rest of the rest of the scripture is going to say the because so all right <laughs> that's important having stood the test having stood the test that person what person yeah. come on you know sin the structure you did all this in english the one who perseveres under trial. If you're persevering under trial, having stood the test, that person will receive a crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. <laughs> a little simple example of this is getting a doctorate. Uh, I don't have a doctorate, and, but, but I know many... Who have and and there, there is this time where you're. It is very, very, very intense, and and the the school and all the writing you have to do and the examinations. It is hard. It is hard, and you're just going through this vice. But at the end, but at the end, you get that degree. And that's just it. That's like the, the trial. And The trial actually causes you to get the degree to do what you want. When you think of a medical doctor, I want a medical doctor who has been through some pain in school, who has learned a lot of stuff so that they can actually be my doctor. I don't want to go through some doctor who's like, well, I read some stuff on the Internet, and I'm going to open you up and fix you. Get away from me, you phony doctor. I want somebody who has been through the pain of getting a doctorate and who has a little bit of experience and who has served and who has had to be humble. How about you? Yeah. Okay, if, that, if it works there, do you not think that God would use those same principles elsewhere in this world? God's going to carry you. And for some of you, what you're going through or what you have gone through is more difficult than getting a degree. But God's not going to give up on you regardless of even some of your missteps. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, write that rep- scripture reference down. It says, being confident of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God isn't finished with you. Don't give up. Be confident in God. That's faith. That's humility. Romans chapter 12, verse 12 says this. It says, be joyful in hope. It says three things. Be joyful in hope. Be patient in affliction and faithful in prayer. Now look at that because all three of those things go together. Do all three. Don't give up all three. Which one are you not doing? Look at that. Which one are you not doing? Which one are you avoiding? See, you've got to do all three. But as you do all three, you will obtain that new strength. But a huge part of all this really comes down to the issue of forgiveness. If you want to be resilient, you have to forgive. You have to forgive the people who have harmed you. Forgiveness, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to go back into full relationship with an individual. No. For some, it's like there, there needs to be no relationship. But forgiveness still is essential. It's not important. It's essential. It's critical. I mean, think about this. What if God only forgave you the way you forgive other people. Think about it. Come on, think about it. What if God said, you know what, I'm just going to forgive you the same way you forgive other people. Wow, what would that be like? Okay, hold on here. That is the way it is. That is the way it is. It's not a what if statement. What I just shared with you is reality. God does forgive us but it's in accordance with how we forgive others. Ouch, I know. Ouch to me too. And I had to write this sermon and struggle through this all week long. Yeah. So my challenge is be humble and forgive. That's how you're gonna obtain new strength. Is a big part of Joseph's resilience was him forgiving his brother's. We read through it at the beginning of this message, but I want you to listen to these words that are found in Genesis chapter 50 because Joseph's dad died, and the dad had kind of held the family together. Jacob, Israel, he, he had died. and Now everybody's living there in Egypt together, safe. And here you have the second in the command of Pharaoh, and we got these brothers here. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15, listen to these words. It says, when Joseph's brothers saw that his father was dead, they said, well, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? They're still bugged by all they did. So they sent word to Joseph saying, okay, they, they, they sent word to Joseph. So they, they sent him a letter or whatever. They didn't have access to the palace, but they sent him this letter. Who knows whether this is even true or not. They may have just conjured up this whole thing. They may have just written this up on their own. Like, We've well, we got to tell them the dad said this. Maybe maybe he did, maybe he didn't. We don't know. But it says, So because of how they felt, they sent word to Joseph saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they have committed in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. Was it real? Was it fake? We don't know. But again, I have to remember, Joseph had already forgiven them. So how did Joseph respond when the message came to him? Well, he said, that's it. I'm sick of those guys. No, he didn't say that. It says, when the message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Oh, come on. Some of you, this is this is you. You need to put yourself into this situation right here. Am I in the place of God? Good example to us. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and for your children. And he reassured them. I spoke kindly. So what is your hurt? What family member has betrayed you? How have you been wronged? Maybe you're suffering in a similar way to Joseph and how he suffered because scripture says these people are given to us as examples. But you can be resilient. You can forgive. No, I would say you must forgive. You must be humble and forgive if you want to break out of this and to obtain new strength. Typically at the close of a service, I give an opportunity for people to request for God to forgive their sins, cleanse their lives, but I'm going to do it a little different today because scriptures are clear that we have to forgive others. God forgives us the way we forgive. Would you just make this a house of prayer right now and just look into your own heart? Where is there unforgiveness in your heart? I'm telling you guys, you have to go through this many, many times. Sometimes it's over and over and over. God, where is there unforgiveness? God, there's unforgiveness here. I need to let go of this. This isn't just necessarily a once for all thing. It should be a regular practice in your life, but where is there unforgiveness? And if there's unforgiveness in your life, what I'm going to ask you to do is release that person to God. Release what they did to God right now. Release what they did to God. How do you do you do that? You just need to whisper in your own words. Say, God sorry for holding resentment. I choose today to forgive. And then Say that person's name. Maybe even say what they've done to you. I choose to, I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. I had to search my heart before I preached this. And I realized, wow, there's some unforgiveness there. And I don't want anything to hold me back from being forgiven. God, I choose to forgive. I know it may be painful, but just start the process now. Start it now. Start it now. Forgive some people are bound up i believe people are even bound up with sicknesses and diseases and and mental and emotional afflictions because of a lack of forgiveness in their own lives i don't want that for you i don't want that for any of us i want you to be resilient forgive and you will be forgiven if you're in this room today your relationship with jesus isn't right you need to make things right with god you need to give your life to him I'm going to ask you at the count of three to lift your hand high so that I can see it. Once I acknowledge it, you can put it back down. But by doing so, you're going to let me know that you want to make things right with God. You want your sin forgiven. And you're ready to enter into the full life that Jesus has for you. That's you here today. I'm going to count to three. Just lift your hand up for me and hold it there until I recognize you. With everyone looking into your own hearts and lives right now, quietly in this room, lift your hand if that's you one, two, three lift it up for me lift it thank you thank you for your honesty thank you so much for your honesty thanks for your honesty thank you thank you you guys can put your hands down thank you if you lifted your hand I want you to pray this prayer I want you to mean it from the bottom of your heart Church, I'm going to ask you to pray these words with me as well. Pray these as kind of like a reaffirmation of your faith, but also as an encouragement for those around you who are making things right with the Lord. Pray this to Jesus. Thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you for your precious blood. May it be applied upon my life wash me clean of my sin I choose to forgive and I ask you to forgive me all of my wrongs all of my misdeeds all of my sin wash me clean in the name of Jesus Christ amen look up at me but I also know that many in this room there's pain in what others have done. In fact, probably the vast majority of you in here, there's, there's pain that some of you are walking in because of what has happened to you. How you were mistreated. How you were done wrong. And I just want to let you know, God is a God who will heal. Heal. deliver you set you free and i want that for you church i want that for you have you discovered your street of influence whether it be family government business arts and entertainment faith health and vitality or education head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today